0: G'day, welcome to Partakers. This is a series of studies called a Luke Looks Back, based in the Gospel of Luke, and is presented to us by Roger Kirby. Over to you, Roger. This is study 13, Luke chapter 9, verse 51, through to chapter 10, verse 24. And the title we will give this is Mission. This chapter 9, verse 51, right through to chapter 19, verse 27. Luke has Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. Luke has put together many incidents within this journey story. Because after eight chapters, at chapter 17 and verse 11, they're only just leaving Galilee. There's no clearly discernible structure to this part of the gospel. It contains some eight major parables and many minor ones, most of them only found in this gospel. We're going to read first chapter 9, verses 51 to 56.
1: As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him that the people there did not welcome him, because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village.
0: James and John got it badly wrong in this first story from Samaria. People are always tempted to use strong-arm methods. They may be violent, use their superior status, use financial pressures, try psychology, and so on. James and John reckon Jesus has power. The people in the village are not friendly, so they think he should zap them. First question then, which strong-arm method are we most likely to be tempted to use when the gospel is rejected? Jesus totally repudiates using any such. How can we counter the tendency in ourselves? And we pause. Your answer will depend very much on where you live. In some countries of the world, it is very dangerous to try and force other people to do what is wanted. We have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, as Jesus said. Only by making a determined effort to grow more like Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit can we have any hope of overcoming our natural tendencies in things like this. Read this chapter 9 verse 57 through to the end of the chapter at verse 62.
1: As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, First, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, i will follow you lord but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family jesus replied no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of god
0: here luke brings together three statements about the conditions for following jesus the first concerns comfort The other two are about how we are to live in family relationships. All three appear rather harsh. But except for a few naturally nomadic souls, most of us operate better from a secure base of stable family, home and friends. Question two. How much do such things mean to you? How do you square the no-holds, no-nest challenge with how you actually live. This is a tough one. Few in ministry or on the mission field put the kingdom totally before family. To do so is probably to experience destructive hostility. Perhaps what Jesus said is one of overstatements called Semitic hyperbole like when he said if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell or, another one it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. These sayings may sound strange to us They're the ones we find easy to remember. Now, in the last four episodes, Luke has told us about first, welcoming little children, secondly, who was for or against Jesus, third, James and John's attitude, and fourth, the conditions for following Jesus. In all of these, the disciples have misunderstood. Jesus in one way or another. Question three then, what do these tell us about Jesus? There are many answers to this question. Among them, the essential humility of Jesus and his conviction that In spite of that humility, he was the Messiah, outranking all previous prophets. He had unique insight into what the people around him were thinking. He organized things ahead of time, very carefully. He exercised complete authority over his disciples. He sometimes struggled with the task that he had notice that when he said he had nowhere to lay his head and he had total conviction about what he was doing we notice that when he talked about going back that means you you cannot plough straight ahead if you look back an interesting group of things about Jesus there and now we're going to read from chapter 10 the first 23 verses
1: After this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them, two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves." Do not take a purse, or bag, or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace, to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will be go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The seventy-two returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All these things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it.
0: This is a difficult passage in many ways, but nonetheless interesting. We will ignore what nearly duplicates what happened when he sent the twelve apostles out in the previous chapter. Some of these verses copy statements in Matthew chapter 11 into a different context. One verse sounds as though it has escaped from John's Gospel. Question four. The seventy or 72, the different manuscripts make these two numbers equally likely, in the first verse, is probably a symbolic number reflecting the 70 or 72, again, equally likely nations, listed in Genesis chapter 10. If so, what does this suggest? the way they used numbers in those days, this is probably a deliberate repetition of the number to indicate that the mission was to be to all the world. Question 5. One writer identifies ten principles for mission in the first eleven verses of this chapter. Identify what they are and give them titles from the following clues. This is relatively easy to do if you have a Bible in front of you, much more difficult without. I will pause briefly after each item, then fill in the answer immediately. First, plentiful harvest. Jesus is saying there are plenty of people out there in the world who have never heard the gospel. Secondly, ask Asking the Lord of the harvest is a challenge to prayer. Third, go. This is the challenge to each one of us to do something to spread the gospel of the Lord. Fourthly, wolves. Jesus said he was, he was sending them out like lambs among wolves. Mission mission is not always easy. Fifth, do not greet people on the way. That is a reminder to be single-minded in what we set out to do. Sixthly, eat what is set before you. Again, that is to commit ourselves totally to the work that we're doing. 7. Near Kingdom Jesus said the Kingdom of God is near you. It's always there at your shoulder with you. You are part of the Kingdom. 8. Not Welcome That will happen for absolute sure. Quite how we react is always difficult to judge. 9. Wipe the dust off your feet. Well, uh, sometimes that's a good idea. Sometimes, perhaps, we're tempted to move on too quickly. And finally, the kingdom. The kingdom is near and is exciting and we are part of it. And now on to question six. Jesus relates his vision of the fall of Satan... In the 18th verse of this chapter, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He relates that to the success of the disciples' work, and describes their triumph over evil forces in these metaphorical terms. What does that mean for us? What popular misconceptions does it not mean? It is exciting to realise that we can gain victories over Satan, as we surely can, but we need to be very careful who we listen to. Some people will make great claims of triumphing over Satan here, there and everywhere, and performing all sorts of different miracles whenever they like. A very few people can do these things, but they are usually not the ones that make the great claims. And Question 7. If we take what Jesus says in verse 19, when he says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. If we take that as applying to us, we might think that nothing will harm us on mission. What we experience in these days seems rather different. How do we cope with the discrepancy if if it is one? From which of the verses between 18 and 23 do you take most comfort? And I'll read those again. It's a bit about Satan falling, being given authority, and then do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. there is no evidence that the Lord protects even his best servants from the troubles of life. Even those working hardest for the kingdom can get cancers or die in car crashes. Remember, he did not protect his son, and that fact should be sufficient to protect us from falling victim to wrong attitudes to the disasters of life, the disasters as we see them to be. Let's finish this study by echoing this chapter 10, verse 2. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field.
1: Thanks, Roger. This series is on every Sunday,
0: but as usual on Partakers, .partakers
1: www.partakers.co.uk, there is something new available every day to inspire your Christian life.